beautiful. Mlenga Soko, the founder of Sosi Mukosa, talks about fighting for the right to be herself. Her defining moments guided her to her purpose and ultimately the woman she is today. You are listening to the Africana Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Chulu. Every week I ask an Africana woman to invite us into her home to give us a snapshot into what happens behind her closed doors. I hope you will join me on this journey of discovery, revelation, and self-awareness. I'm not going to lie. It may become uncomfortable sometimes. However, I encourage you to push past your unease and challenge yourself to think differently. The simple act of expanding yourself to receive the unknown may be transformational for you. I hope you have enjoyed this series on defining moments. Please do let me know what your takeaways have been from listening to Mente, Keji, Tuba, and today, Mulenga. I wanted to conclude with Mulenga because her story speaks to how at some point we have to take ownership of our own lives. Her story is also so similar to my own. She could be my twin sister from another mister. <laughs> but please enjoy Mulenga's story. So this is a little backstory of Mulenga Soko and about how Saucy Spoon came to be. She is an entrepreneur, an athlete and architect. But most important of all, she is a mom of an animated four-year-old. Albeit a passion project, she started Saucy Brand with a clear vision to fuse her love for sustainable design, food, and community, and, co- and to collaboratively create functional pieces of art and sinfully delicious treats for the adventurous soul who shares her values on conscious living and positive social impact. Mulenga, I am so excited that you are here. Ever since I found your show, I'm just like, like a girl crush, yeah. but <laughs> thanks for having me. Welcome so to the Africana Woman Podcast. Thank you. Oh, I'm very, very excited. Me too. Yeah. So, okay, let's do this. So, you are um, the proprietor of Saucy Mukosa, which we will get to, but I would love to know. You know, tell us a little bit more about your backstory. How did you grow up and what made you who you are? Well, there's a whole lot I could say, but uh, I'm going to try to keep this, you know, (laughs) short, short and sweet. Um, I am Zambian. I am the third of three babies or three children. Um, I grew up mostly in Lusaka, but we did kind of switch to SA when I was much younger. So somewhere nine, 10, lived there for a couple of years, came back and moved to Chingola, then back to Lusaka. So that's pretty much how my life has sort of been um, getting to my years of becoming. Um, I've always been one to take on a challenge, whatever the case, that's just been my thing. And I think maybe it's been a coping mechanism because I was always the youngest, wherever it is I went, I was always the youngest. So, you know, just having to deal with um, not knowing who you are or not understanding with what's going on with you physically, emotionally, and just um, 
trying to cope with all different things that life tends to throw at you. So it has been sort of like a mission of mine to always take on a challenge. Um, so, you know, when you came in last week, it was really kind of full circle to me or for me to be able to have word, you know, to break, um, to converse with you on what you are doing and what Africana is, the Africana woman is about and just generally be here to share my story because I feel like a lot of um, women, African women and specifically Zambian girls who did not grow up with both parents in the home or did not have the resource available to them to be able to be here in this position, running my own business, having my own brand and um, being an educated woman, it is not an easy thing. When they say it takes a village, I think it took a whole world to get me to where I am. Village aside, <laughs> it literally took the whole world and I, I mean that for, for real. Uh, but yeah, um, my, whole, my whole approach to education was, you know, when, you're, when you come from an African family, let me just say Zambian because I might be jumping the gun here when I say African because I feel like this culture, you will find it in the Oriental, um, Oriental cultures as well. Maybe even partly some European countries, you find that parenting is very strict. Their approach to education, they just were like, you need to go to school. That's all they know. Like that's pretty cutthroat on that one. So I grew up with a family where um, it's really strong women and very opinionated. So the only way to go was school. So even just developing like my creative side or my whimsical side, as I call it, it wasn't really encouraged, uh, mainly because I feel like the older generation or the past generation, that's all they knew, right? Coming from a pre-colonial state or colonial state, getting into independence, you still have that sort of mindset where the only way to go is through education. Like you can't be anything, you can't make something of yourself without having those formative, very formal years of going to school, having some uh, academic upbringing. But um, I think generally my whole approach has been based off of, well, go to school, get good grades, get the job, then we could talk about everything else, right? But I was always the rebel. Um, so in as much as I went the academic route and I went to school, I was always the one who just fought, like every single stage in my life has been a fight. I, I literally had to fight through everything. Um, and I remember one time because I had like relatives that would always compare me. I had like some crazy braining people in my family, right? And I was the child that was sort of like in the middle-ish, Right. So they'll always be having this conversation with me. Well, well, not really a conversation because, you know, a conversation would represent a dialogue between two or more individuals. However, in this setting, it was them telling me, you need to be, right? You need to be like, or you need to aspire to be like, or, you know, you need to work harder to be. So I remember having a conversation with my mom one, one afternoon and I told her, look, I am me. This is who I am. Accept it. I'm going to go to school. I'm going to do the thing. I'm going to get the grades. But you need to allow me to flourish in my own time. And um, I believe that a lot of us girls, especially after I went to uni, 
not as many women as assertive or as sure, or maybe it's the fear of being, of talking about um, what you really want or what you deserve, because they're going to look at you cross-eyed. If you have one of those parents that, you know, like, I'm going to pop you if you say something crazy, (laughs) say something crazy to me, right? So there's always that fear of um, not overstepping or saying something that may be perceived as rude or, um, you know, disrespectful, right? So just being able to overcome said challenges, overcome said interceptions and breaking the molds and pretty much being a rebel has got me to this point. I don't, I said I was going to keep this short, but hey. Okay. So tell me, when did you have that conversation with your mom? How old were you? I was 15, going on 16. I was in 12th grade, um, just after the end of my first term. So we had just gotten my results and uh, no, I think it was mock right after the mock exam. My grades, I mean, I was a really good student. I was straight A type student, but that's because I feel like I came from a family that required you to do it. So in the beginning it was more, okay, they expect this of me and not because I actually wanted it. It's only in my later years when I actually realized that I actually do want to do something. I want to be something, but not probably not what they're expecting of me to be mm. right mm-hmm. so I had this conversation with her um mid 20 what was that 2006 2007 I think somewhere then because that was my 12th like I was 15 um I finished school when I was when I was 16 right when I a few months after I turned 16 so it was around that time like summer-ish Summer, summer so what did mom say? What, what was her reaction? Because I mean, she was, uh, were you close? <laughs> she was confused. She's like, wait a minute. <laughs> Hold up. <laughs> Where has this person been the past 15 years? First of all, you don't say things like this to me. You don't talk back to me. So what's going on? Because I think she took it as in me pressing and refuting what she's trying to say or me not accepting or taking on the advice that she was giving me. Because I feel like sometimes people feel entitled when they give you advice, they feel that you should take on advice. But my, my approach is if you're going to give somebody advice, accept that it is, it is an option that they could take. It's a suggestion. That's what advice is, right? So when I had this conversation with her, she was taken aback and she was trying to figure out wait, why do you have this perception? Why do you think I'm trying to fight you? Why do you think I'm not trying to steer you into the right direction? Um, She didn't understand that it was very hurtful for me at the time to be compared to siblings or whomever's daughter or son was doing better or seemingly doing better because you never really know what's going on under the surface with people. Um, So I did use like working hard, like diving right into uh, work or projects as a way to cope with some of the issues that I was going through both personally and just at home and maybe even at school. Um, So yeah, I did take on quite diverse subjects and um, I sort of like uh, went into the state where I felt like I need to overachieve. And so that sort of followed me when I got to uni. I always went for like the toughest topics. I always wanted to do the craziest projects, the stuff that 
pretty much the stuff that everybody wouldn't dare to do is what I went into because I think I was still stuck in that I need to receive that stamp of approval from uh, my mother. But I also think some of it may have stemmed off of not having my dad around and not feeling like I was adequate or I was enough. You know what I mean? So um, for me, it was just one of those things where I'm like, I need to take a stand and I need to, um, I need her to know where my head's at with, with this. Yeah. Mm. So many ways that I want to go. <laughs> but okay, after that conversation, do you think that you grew closer? Like, um, how did your relationship evolve after that conversation? After that, not completely, because I think she was still trying to wrap her head around me not following said footsteps or choosing my own path. I feel like it's every parent's dream to sort of have some kind of um, impact on that child. Like when your child can emulate you in a way, that feels that feels like success to parents. And I, I see that sometimes when I'm I'm having conversations with my daughter when I see her doing certain things and I'm like, oh, that is so me, right? So that gives you a sense of pride. Um, but at the time, no, it's it sort of made her, I think we did grow apart in a way, but we found our way back later yeah. on. We found our way back. At the time, I think she was still trying to wrap her head around my choice of doing things and how I what my approach was it wasn't the conventional what she had expected of me but I still ended up getting the grades that she I went above and beyond but the whole idea was for her to understand that I needed to do it in my own way so that from getting to that point of me having the conversation with her and then getting to her seeing said results then she broke down and she said I should have just let you do you from the onset so Eventually, we did get back and, you know, we've been building our relationship since. Okay. All right. Yeah. Cool. So you went to uni. What did you study? What was university like? <laughs> university was crazy. Um, I studied architecture. <laughs> I, had a, I have a bachelor's degree, <laughs> a bachelor of science in in architecture, I was there for five years, five grueling years. But I, I take those as part of my formative years, even though, you know, people would um, generally describe formative years as from like maybe 10 to about 18-ish. But I sort of continued because I went to uni pretty young, or maybe not young for some people, but I consider where I was at young, especially that everybody else that was in my class was older than me. So I've always been the younger person wherever it is I went. Um, So yeah, uni was one of those places that I have, you know, come to love and hate because the whole time through through high school, I didn't date. So I had my first boyfriend when I got to uni. So that whole experience of learning about maybe sexual feelings. I mean, I knew, I knew all of that before, but just understanding what they were about and being attracted to someone completely happened much later for me. Um, so uni was, <laughs> uni was crazy. 
uni was me figuring out the the me that I didn't know before uni and the me that I needed to continue being because I had a choice. Um, I knew for a fact that I was going to be there for quite a bit of time, but I had a goal to achieve. Um, I remember having a conversation with a friend, um, Zambian universities or rather the university I went to, let me, say, let me, let me bring it down. Zambian universities with regards to the, the governmental ones. So CBU is where I went. Uh, we have shared bathrooms. So it's, it's an open space. Yeah, it's an open space. So I was in the shower with a girlfriend of mine um, and we we're just having a conversation about what is it, you know, just what we've just talked about with your, with parents and them expecting the most of you. So at the time, my mother was pursuing her degree um, at University of Zambia at the time, and she had just graduated with merit. So I'm having this conversation with, with said girl, and she's asking me what my ideal grade is, right? So I'm just throwing things out there. I'm like, okay, you know what? If, if, it had, if, if it were just up to me, then for sure, I would aim for like top. I would be graduating here with distinction. I would be, that, that would be me. So I'm just throwing these words out there, right? And she, so she asked me, she's saying, do you honestly think you'll be able to achieve that? So for me, in my mind, I'm like, okay, challenge accepted, right? So it sort of takes me back to the state where I'm feeling like, okay, she's trying to compare me to the next person, right? In my mind, that's what happened in that moment. Um, so after that, I had no idea what the goal was because I had expressed to her that, you know, I have a parent who just finished and she got good grades. So automatically it puts me in a frame where I can't get any lower, right? Because this, I still have that mentality where a part of me is still pretty fixated on what's been going on with the home life and what is expected of me there. So I sort of carried on with that mentality. And when I had that conversation with her, we just... We, we told each other, okay, the minimum is, is a marriage, fine. Okay, let's do that. So we're just throwing out these things. And as God would have it, five years later, despite all the things that I had gone through, mind you, I, I was coming from a middle-class home. Um, I was in bursary at, up to 75%. Um, there were times when I had no food, no money. Like it was, you know, it was crazy, let me just say uni was insane. It was insane because I had to deal with um, assignments and, you know, the architectural program is very demanding time-wise. It's very demanding of you physically, emotionally. I mean, you're trying to deal with designing space for people, designing spaces that actually work, that you can function in, but that takes a lot of time and sometimes would go two days without proper sleep, two, three, a whole week without proper sleep, especially when we had presentations coming on. And then there'll be these grueling tests and whatnot. But I feel like that's expected in any kind of program, regardless of where, what you're doing. Um, but for me, I think what it came to juggling, you know, being in a, a relationship for the first time and then dealing with my academics and then getting my heart broken and then, you know, going through all of these motions and just, understanding coming to the understanding that look 
I am here for one thing and one thing only, right? Primarily, I needed to go through the stage of my life to get my degree. And still at that point, I didn't really understand for whom I was doing it. It was still like, I was still thinking, oh, because I come from a family where you just have to go to school. So this is what we're doing. So yes, I did take the, I did choose to be in the class that, you know, required me to take very challenging topics. I did have classmates that would choose, you know, um, simpler, less complicated or less, less complex things to discuss or share. But for whatever reason, I was just wanted to do the over the top, wanted to be very, very over the top. And that just explains the overachiever approach that I had with things. Little did I know that actually it was preparing me for the things that I'm doing today and the woman I am today. Um, so I'm very grateful, even though it, it was kind of chaotic at the time because I didn't fully understand or fully grasp what my purpose was or where I wanted to go with things. Um, so yeah, five years later, I get to I was laying I was laying on on a on a mattress in in a room somewhere. I think it was my my cousin's home, and uh, I get a call from my classmate Wally, and she says. You have, you have no idea what's just happened. So in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, results are out. What's going on? Did I flunk? What happened, right? And in my mind, I'm thinking I probably failed something because during the time that we were doing our, what we call thesis defense, or really just the final presentation of your, your years worth, your five years worth of work, um, I had a ton of drawings on one PC and it crashed hours before my final presentation, it crashed. So I lost a, a whole lot of work um, and whatever it was I had left, I managed to get printed, but <laughs> the whole setup in the room, I, I remember walking to, um, to this presentation room, setting up, I had two different socks on at the time. I had to take them up because I was so tired. It was insane. I was running across doing what I could do. I remember just taking a quick shower. My eyes were bloodshot. I was tired. My whole being was finished, but I had to go and do this thing. Like I had to make this presentation and it had to be done in 10 minutes. So I'm thinking, how am I supposed to present a whole lot of stuff in 10 minutes and make sure that we are good, right? So I get there. Um, I couldn't stand I was literally weak. I couldn't stand, so I take off my <laughs> take off my shoes. And you see, the judges just look at me like they look at my feet because they expect you to be presentable when you're, you know, when you're presenting these things. And I, I know you understand because you you went to architecture school, so they expect you to be very poised, very um, professional. So I take my boots off, and there's two different types of socks, and I, they start looking at me and they start to laugh. <laughs> and I'm like, please excuse the socks I'm just I'm really tired right so anyway I guess started with um my presentation and I'm going through these papers I'm explaining um and the moment I hear time is up it's the, the exact moment I had said my last word so in my mind I'm thinking okay God came through he knew that I only had set amount of time and there's so much stuff I still felt like I needed to express but everything that I had shared was enough. And at the time, I didn't realize that it was. Um, so that day passed. And then 
fast forward to when I'm sleeping on this mattress and I get this call and she says, well, something's happened. Um, are you sitting? Are you standing? You need to sit. So now I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to go back. And we're repeating. It's, it's official. We're going to do this thing again. I am going to have to find a new topic. So now I'm panicking, right? So then she says to me, you will not believe where you're at. So I'm thinking, okay, what's going on? Can you tell me already? Then she says, well, you have just received the award that you expect or you mentioned by three years ago. So she's telling me this and I'm thinking, okay, what is going on here? So then I, when I it finally sunk in that I was gr- about to graduate with distinction, I broke down because three years ago in that said, but in that said shower, I had a conversation with a girlfriend and we were literally just throwing these things out, just saying, this is what I wanted to do, right? This is what I wanted to achieve. So I am sa- I'm sharing this with you not to sound boastful or anything like that, but I was broke. I was tired. I was hungry. I was coming from a not so, need I say, dysfunctional type situation from home. I didn't have everything I needed. I was going through a very um, difficult period in my life, both uh, physically and uh, spiritually. It was just the whole five years to me, when I look back, sometimes I laugh about it because now it's funny. But in that moment, it, there were just way too many lessons that to not, today I am very appreciative of because if I had not gone through half the things I went through, I wouldn't be able to stand on my own and, you know, be very present and be true to who I am, be as assertive as I am, as sure of the things that I'm doing as I am. So uni was insane, but uni was very educated. And I'm not talking about academics. I'm talking about just understanding who I was and what my purpose in life was. So that's pretty much the uni story. (laughs) So (laughs) how long, I guess, so right now you've got your own business, but then you went and studied architecture. So what happened in between? Girl, oh my gosh. I was working. So, okay. Um, fifth year, I, one of my professors called me to his office and I walked in and he sat me down. We had a conversation. He was running a company in Osaka because CBU is on the copper belt. So he says, when you're done, can you come work? Um, I had never thought I was going to be able to find a job soon after school because sometimes let me not just say center like generally the architectural field in Zambia is one of those like you really really have to either know somebody or you just have to be good at some like you have to stand out for people to pick you out of the litter because it's there's a lot of us now right and before it wasn't the case so it was much easier to find a job um, but then um but he did he did pick me out because he seen my performance he'd seen what I was capable of but he wanted to help nurture me because I felt like at the time my whole approach to design my my approach to um, creativity was a a little all over the place like I would take on things like I mentioned I would take on things that you know general the general person that wouldn't but also just my understanding of what creativity and design was wasn't mature enough to just hand me out into the world and design spaces for people. So he wanted to me to come in and to nurture that, to help me grow. Um, 
so yes, I get the job. This is way before this, you know, this presentation that was that I've just explained. Um, so I accept the offer, but I said I would need time after, you know, we would finished with with everything, exams and whatnot. So I will need time to just sort of zen before I jump right into work because it's just going to be a whole lot. And for sure, I did take my time. I took six months off um, to just deal with self, to calm myself and just come to terms with, okay, whatever it is that we managed to do in that time, we did. And so afterwards, um, I joined a, a firm in Lusaka, his firm, um, and I worked there for two years. And in the first year, I think three months in, I realized I was not going to be able to function in a setting where I was being, I felt like I was always going to be told where my creative direction should go. I mean, I, I had always been the rebel. So that rebel in me, it came out again. It's like, no, we, can, we can't do this. We cannot do this forever. And I felt like um, if I was going to grow, I needed to start working on something that I would be happy to wake up and do every day. So I ended up staying for a whole couple of years because, I mean, it's expected if you want to get your licensing um, permit to work under a registered architect in this country, and then you can sit for, for the, the licensing exams. And then uh, once you pass that, then they'll give you, then you not they'll give you, you deserve it because you worked hard for it and you, you know, you've done the assessment thing. So yeah, um, I stayed on and I resigned a couple of days before this, these exams. It's three, it's two days, it's two days and it's like six, six different papers that you sit every, every couple of hours, you have one different paper. So they assess you on all different types of things. And then after that, they do that marking and stuff and then you know after a few weeks that you you've either gotten the license or you haven't um so girl when i say another crazy time in my life this was the beginning of me creating the saucy brands so i'm in the office and mind you i had realized that i was not going to do this like i was not going to work um in an architectural firm for an indefinite amount of time. So I realized it's three months in, but I only made the decision to officially resign two days before um, finding out that I was six and a half months pregnant. Yeah. Yes. yes. Six and a half months. <laughs> Sorry, they're just like, like <laughs> Did like this to me. <laughs> Sorry, like okay, explain that to me. <laughs> yeah. So, yes. Um. You know when I mentioned I'm an athlete, I train like a crazy person. Like that's that's for me. Um. My coping mechanism has either been work driven or sports driven. So I got into sports. I I got into um either no. In fact, before before I got to uni. I did, I did do volleyball, but that's, that's about volleyball and what's the other thing? Netball is what I did. That was in high school. Then I also did some, some drama at some point, but then I dropped drama and just dive right and uh, dove right into 
um, sport, like full time. When I went to uni, I played basketball. In fact, high school, I played basketball. Then uni, I played basketball as well. So it was either two things. I was either in some kind of training or I was taking on like really heavy, crazy projects. That was my coping mechanism. But that for me boiled down to just my mental health because I felt like that's the most um, zen or peaceful space for me where I had control of things, um, where I had a say and I felt like my opinion mattered. So six and a half months into this pregnancy, no idea what was going on because I was working out crazy. My weight really didn't change. I had no cravings. My stomach was growing, but it wasn't growing. You know how you, when you know you're pregnant, it just, it's just, it's like a whole bubble. It's go, like, you know, so you you can see these changes. You can feel these changes. I was feeling change, but I wasn't seeing change. So I went to, I went to the hospital, did a, a whole bunch of tests. They did every test you can think of. They did. I went as far as doing, having an endoscopy done and that, <laughs> that's very uncomfortable but I stuck a tube in because we thought or they thought there was an infection in my stomach no there's no infection you just have a baby <laughs> growing in <laughs> you have a baby growing in so what eventually uh, prompted me to do like to just go and have a like a scan done um, I remember when I was about five and a half months uh, pregnant, I started having these dreams about babies, like about having a baby. Then eventually I felt her start to move. And I feel like, what is this? What is going on? Right. And all this time, my stomach is slowly growing. It was, it was small. Like even at six and a half months, she was pretty small. You really couldn't see where she was at or what was going on. So um, I eventually just get up. This is, this is, um, I went in, so I was, today's Friday, right? Just imagine today is Friday. I, I put in my resignation letter. It's done. They know I'm resigning. Monday, I head to um, the public health office. Should be, should be somewhere where Libby is. I get there. The lady that attended to me there tells me, well, there's a big baby in there. So now I'm thinking, snap. I just resigned the baby on the like what do I do yeah so I call my mom um, and she tells me whatever it is we can handle it you want me to come over so I said please come over because I've got no strength <laughs> to do anything I can't walk please so she she drove there and I broke the knee I, I mean I couldn't even say it I just wrote it down on a paper and she just held me really tightly because I feel like she understood the state I was in at that moment. And I had never felt as close as I did with her as I did in that moment. And I realized, okay, so this is, this is what it feels like, right? To, to be embraced and accepted like completely because she gets it. She gets the state I'm in. So we had that moment and uh, yeah, now we know there's a baby. So she asks me, so what are you going to, what, what's, what do you want to do? Because you have these exams in two days. Those are my, my architectural licensing exams. Um, in my mind, I'm thinking I can't deal with all of this. Like it's too much. I need to figure out how to move from here. So she advised that, you know, I just go ahead, write it. You may never have the amount of time you have now moving forward. 
So just go ahead and do it. If you clear it, great. If you don't, that's not a problem. You can always take the tests again. But yeah, went in, had my, you know, had my coat and um, I would wear a coat because now I knew. So I was very cautious about what was going on around me. And I, I didn't want people to know. So the whole time I went to these, uh, these exams, no one had an idea. So when I finally showed my girlfriends who I was, I was with um, writing the, the exams, they were in shock. They're thinking, at which point uh, we've been seeing you this whole time and we couldn't tell like what what is this right so it was one of those things where just coming into understanding is like okay I'm about to become a new time mom I have just resigned I was resigning and going into a new job but then said job moved countries so now I had resigned and then made redundant so I had to figure out my life from then on. And, you know, I went through a typical stigma where you're not married and then you have a kid and then people, are, you know, you, you become isolated because people don't want to talk to you or they don't want to be associated with you. Um, and I must admit, I did get into a funk, need I say depression for a bit, because I was trying to figure out how did the smart girl I knew, the, the bright girl I knew, the careful Girl, like I never date like you understand what I'm saying like I was always the one that was very cautious about everything but uh, I must admit that you know part of what I went through at uni had actually put me in this position I got myself into and it's because I hadn't sort of like healed from past trauma healed from um the hurt and pain that I had experienced throughout my time at university. So when I came out of it, I wasn't fully aware of the one the woman I needed to be for me. And so I sort of in 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 a few months, I did sort of let the wind take me wherever it is I went. And uh, yeah, baby happened. <laughs> but best decision I ever made was keeping her because she keeps me on my toes. She really does. And a part of the reason why I do what I do now um, is because of the person that she is. She, I don't even think she knows how much of an impact she's had on my life and just, you know, really turning me around on me, wanting to do more. Not for her per se, but for me, because I feel like when I'm healthy um, physically and my mind is sound, then I can be a better mom and I can be more present for her. Um, so yeah, it's, that's pretty much what happened before I created the Saucy brand. So it's 2016, end of 2016 into 2018, because I took a couple of years off. Then I started working myself on myself in 2018. I got back into my training. Um, I didn't do sport. I haven't played sport in years and I would love to start back up again, but I do a lot, a lot of like I do crazy training and I'm now training for um, a strongman competition, which is on the 5th of June. Yeah. So for me, it's me just trying to um, just be sound with my mental state because it's been, it's been a huge, it's been a huge drive for me to just help me cope with, with stuff Anything that's going on with it, whether it's family, whether it's work, or whether um, I'm designing something for somebody, just being able to juggle everything can be very overwhelming. And so anytime I'm in my training zone, it 
calms me. And even though some people might think, well, you're not necessarily calm when you're training, but it's just that high you get during and after, right? Yeah. And I think it's yeah. also just being able to focus on what is what am I doing in the present and then everything else exactly. is just, you know, it is what it is, but right now I'm focusing this it moment and centered. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And also just it's the one place that I have autonomy and full control over. Everything else in life is so unpredictable. But I can I can um I do have a say and I can predict how I choose to approach my fitness. I choose to approach my health because you literally have to make a choice to wake up and get some, some more exercise. And it's something that is ongoing, but it also has helped me um, be more disciplined and be more determined to persevere, even though I'm going through pain. And even though, you know, I'm experiencing some, 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 some kind of stress, I understand that it's momentary and it's going to pass. So I use, I use a lot of the, um, the elements that I've learned throughout the years with my training on or through sports and channel that into everything I'm doing. Um, I used to be very good at procrastinating, very good at it. I lived procrastination. And I feel like at the time, um, I sort of took that as a shield. So, okay, I'll get to it tomorrow. I can't do this because of that, right? But it's all procrastination. It's all telling yourself, no, I don't have enough money. No, I don't think I'm smart enough. No, I'm not beautiful enough. No, I'm not skinny enough. Well, look, you were made how you were made. Like, just deal and move forward, right? Because even when I was younger, I was bullied for my frame, bullied for my skin color, bullied for the kind of hair that I, for my 4C hair, <laughs> bullied for all sorts of things. But I was also bullied because I chose to take the crazy route. I chose to take the harder paths. And, and by harder paths, I mean, I would take, like I mentioned, I took, I took on projects that everybody else didn't want to do. I took on subjects that generally would scare people to, to do. But for me, um, it's just being able to challenge myself and then using all of these elements that I have learned throughout my training, throughout sports and just being present, being there. Because honestly, you cannot play any kind of sport. You cannot be in training and expect results without actually being present. So it speaks to what you just mentioned. It's just you're there in that moment and being focused on that particular thing. So I'm very grateful to be able to, um, you know, be in this position in my life and uh, have this conversation with you because had I not gone through everything and realized um, that you really need to stop procrastinating because I talked about opening my own store for years, for a very long time. I talked about just starting my own business and I had registered in 2015, like way before I had learned that I was pregnant. You see, this is like seven, eight months before I registered my business, but I only got started on it two and a half years later, you see. Mm -hmm. So I feel like there's a lot of things that I could have cut the time on had I just taken the plant. Sometimes we're so into our heads that we fail to see the woods or the trees for the woods. My dad always says that, that you always fail to see what's right in front of you. Instead, you're so you're looking everywhere else except for what's in front of you. So um, like just my 
my choosing to be an athlete has really helped me focus on things that are important. If I, if I set goals and uh, um, I have objectives that I'm able to see, okay, how do I divide my time? How best can I work on said project without feeling like I'm draining or burning out? Yeah. Um, because I do feel, I do wear many hats. I'm a mother. Um, I do have my architectural duties as well. Then my design duties. And then obviously I'm running my, managing um, my store and then um, managing my brand as well. So there's a whole lot um, that I'm doing. But had all of this happened, if I wasn't prepared for it by taking on, you know, difficult things or going to architectural school, because if there's one thing I learned about being an architectural student is that you have to learn to manage your time better because you will never have enough to get enough sleep to do, to have self, like a self-care. There was never time for me to just self-care. Right. So me getting into sport and any kind of sport or training was sort of my self-care. And that's very subjective. Some people may call, they call that crazy. Like who self-cares by playing sport, right? Some people will say self-care for me is I put on a mask. I got some music playing, some candles are burning, you know, but I feel like it's very subjective and whatever feels most peaceful to you, whatever feels most calming to you is what you should do. Um, Because again, mental health, again, mental health, it's just for your own sanity, right? Um, so yeah, that's what happened before Saucy Mkosa came to me. Okay. Yeah. So can you believe we are almost wrapping up to one hour? <laughs> but I would love for you, I know, where did it go? <laughs> I can't believe it's been an hour. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm so sorry. I told so, No, no, no. It's been beautiful. I think my last question would be where, what do you, what do you want your daughter to, to take away from your life? Like when she looks at you, looks at what you're doing, what is the thing that you would want to, um, pass on to her like she's gonna listen to this like when she's like you know 15 years old and she'd be like oh mommy did this interview and then you can send her a message okay so what I would love for her to take from this is everything she wants is already hers she just needs to tap into the strength that is deep within and understand that who she is right now is enough. She doesn't have to prove herself to anybody and she doesn't have to be anything else than who she already is. She is more animated than I am. She is more, I think she's on a, she's on a different level than I am. So just be, be, be who you are. For me, that's, um, Yeah. That's my lesson to her. Just tap into self and let self lead. Because if you tap yeah. into self, um, everything else will come, will fall into place. Yeah. Fall into mm-hmm. place, pray about it, be determined and res- resolute in who you are. And um, just let things be. And whatever isn't for you will not be, regardless of how much you try to hold on or to cling on to it. 
just let things be. They have a way of working, working things out. But if you show up and you show up on time, people respect that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. That's my so beautiful. Okay. So in the Africana women community, we have a little saying that goes, know your roots, grow your purpose. And I have some quick questions for you. You can say whatever comes to your mind first. Um, If you want to explain, that's fine. Um, But yeah. Okay. You ready? Yeah, I'm good. Okay. So what are you rooted to? Ooh, faith, family, um, exercise, definitely. Okay, cool. And then what are your favorite ways to nourish your mind, body, and soul? Mind reading. I do a lot of reading, a lot of research. Um, Soul prayer. Prayer with self, prayer with my family. Um, I said mind as well, Nick. (laughs) <laughs> mind body soul was that those three things yes okay body so body is good food i am a huge foodie um food sport or exercise then mind definitely reading soul prayer yes excellent and then do you have a a weakness that has now become your superpower procrastination babe <laughs> Procrastination was my weakness. And um, now, uh, to be very honest, in, in the past, when you said, let's do it, I would have tried to push it. But now I'm just like, you know what? Let's get it done. The sooner, the better. Because I don't believe mm-hmm. in tomorrow. Tomorrow is uncertain. I know what's happening now. So let's do it. Yeah. 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 Cool. And then what do you know for sure? Oh, what do I know for sure? I'm enough. Yeah. I am enough. That is so beautiful. Love it. (laughs) Okay. So, Melinda, please tell the audience how they can connect with you. Are you working on any projects right now? Like, you know, if somebody wants to get hold of this, all of the sauciness called Melinda, how do they do it? Okay. Um, First of all, you could... Come directly to my store. I'm at 13 Chinda Road. It's right across from Pinnacle Mall, Woodlands. Um, or you can reach me on my socials. It is at Melinda Soko, which is my personal on Instagram, or my food page, my foodie page, which is mostly where I'm very active. Um, it's called My Saucy Spoon, or the actual store page in Saucy Mkosa. So that's pretty much where you can find me. And all the contact info is on all of these pages, um, mostly Saucy Mkosa and My Saucy Spoon. So you, you could just send me a DM. Find me on Insta because that's where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, and I am working on... Like say, um, that's my playground. <laughs> exactly. That's that's where I hang, you know, the swings and everything on there. Yeah, so I am working on a couple of projects. I do have some in- interior design um projects that I'm starting to work on from this week. One is a store where I'm converting it into um, a closet. So it's going to be like my perfect closet sort of thing. Um, then the other is a home. So working from room to room, the Rossland home in uh, Woodlands. 
that we're working on also from this week. So it's, it's pretty busy, but you guys will be able to find all of my products online very soon. It'll be at www.saucemcosa.com. Oh my gosh. You see, I live on Insta. So everything I'm like at, at. So that's pretty much where you'd find me. But yeah, that's about it. Tell us about the cooking demonstration. Oh, wow. Um, okay. So I've mentioned that I'm a foodie. And um, when I first started sourcing saucy, the saucy brand, I was making like full time. I was doing pesto sauces and stuff. And I wanted to couple that with um, smaller items that you can eat off of. So now it's my, my platters, my bowls, my boards, things like that. My cut there as well that I made from sustainable wood. Um, so the demos or rather the cooking, um, what would you call them though? Cooking lessons? I don't want to call, I don't want to say lessons. I want to talk, be more specific. Uh, let's say fine tuning a skill that you already have, even though you don't know how to cook, it's something that you know to prepare at least one thing, even if it's just tea, Right. So it's pretty much just sharpening your tools um, and getting into helping you to learn about spices or learn about um, using different elements in your kitchen, including whatever kind of fruits, vegetables, anything that's in season that like generally you wouldn't normally incorporate in your cooking. So your things like my favorite is the chihuahua or pumpkin leaf pesto, um, Something I like, my tamarind uh, grilled fish or charcoal grilled, yeah, charcoal grilled, like Mbaola style, Chuloni style fish. Uh, so things like that is what I love to teach because there's a, you know, very almost nostalgic kind of foods that you normally wouldn't cook with. Like you would bake with, uh, with mawuyu pulp, things like that. So it's really just teaching you to be very resourceful with the the ingredients that you have. And we do this, we do this at the store, not in the store, but outside. We have a very, very serene environment. So come in, let's get let's get our cook on, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. Okay, so I will be coming soon <laughs> for a cook-on and I hope our audience can join me. That'll be super fun. And ah, so all good things must come to an end. Melinda, it has been absolutely fascinating listening to your story. Um, there been so many you know, wonderful gems in there. And it's, it's interesting because I feel like it's sort of like we're twins, sort of like very a lot of parallels that are the same. Right. I, know. I know it's crazy. It's kind of scary. Yeah, <laughs> you're very lovely. Um, you know, sometimes you meet people and you just have this weird aura, this weird this weird aura about them. But I didn't get that from you. And I only just met you, really. And I feel like I've known you for, for a very long time. So thank you so much for taking time and coming through to Sosim because it was very refreshing for me. I had had a long day, but that was the highlight of my day because I was like, oh my God, she gets me. <laughs> she totally gets me. So, so grateful for you and the work that you are doing. I just wish you nothing but blessings and up 
from here. Yes. Yes. I receive. I receive. Yes, receive. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys, we're signing off now. Okay, bye. Isn't it crazy how you have to fight to be yourself? Our parents do their best to raise us and many times want to dictate to us what we should do, who we should become. But there will come a point when you must declare your independence in thought and actions and then lean into what you think is right for you. Fighting for independence, just as our countries did, can be messy. I mean, there are grown women who are still afraid to stand up to their parents. Do you remember the first time you decided that you were an adult? I mean, that moment when you when something in you switched and said, I will not rely on my parents to fix my problems, but I will do it myself. Truth is, for me, that happened twice when I was 32 and just a couple months ago at the age of 35. I think before then, I felt sort of an entitlement that my mother had to save me. I literally had to tell myself, you are not a child anymore. You're an adult. Take responsibility. And at that moment, I think my purpose really began to reveal itself. So let me know what you think. Let me know what you thought of this series called Defining Moments. I would really love to know. Please find Mulenga on social media at Saucy Mukosa. Tell her you heard her on the Africana Woman podcast. Thank you, dear listener, for making us part of your day by listening in. I truly appreciate you. If you liked this episode, please share it with a friend. And you can find me on Instagram at Chulu by Design and say hello. I always respond. Until next week, I want you to remember... Know your roots, grow your purpose. This has been a production of Ulendo Creative Media. You can find out more about their services on www.ulendocreative.com.